Hello, and welcome to Shape the System, where we find and tell the stories that help people to rethink the way the world works. We interview people from all over the world who are helping to change our systems for the better. Shape the System is an independent podcast with support from KPMG High Growth Ventures, who help ambitious founders and their teams scale up for success. More about KPMG High Growth Ventures after the interview. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome back. Having a chat today about something that perhaps most of you don't um, realize is, is kind of a fundamental part of our show. For the last three and a half years, we've been interviewing impact-led founders, but one of the ways that we work out who we're going to talk to is we run what they're looking at doing and, and the place they're playing against the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And fortunately, have had a wonderful opportunity today to talk to Mick Hayes from 17X, and they completely and utterly focus on these goals. And I just thought this was a wonderful opportunity for us to understand these goals better and understand not so much how non-profits, but how for-profit and traditional businesses, I guess, are starting to take these into account. So we'll dive into all that. First up, welcome, Mick. Thanks for joining the show. Give us a little bit about where you are, where you're coming from, and then we'll dive straight. Vincent, thanks, mate. Uh, great to be here. I am coming to you from Tweed Heads, Bundjalung country, born and bred in this area, nice and close to the ocean. I'm a surfer by heart, so need to be near the coast. It's a sunny day and I'm grateful to be here, mate. Good. My best mate in Perth, by the way, is a surfer and he's, I mean, he's a little better at this now, but he honestly prioritizes his entire life, where he goes on his family holidays, where he lives, where he travels to, who he sees in his life. <laughs> based around the allocation and availability of waves. So secondhand. <laughs> I can relate. I can relate to that. Is there good surf at the moment? Just as a no, kind of late no, September, is just the time of year no, to be in Tweed? No, this is not the time. This is the November Northlings is what we call it. It goes from September to New Year's pretty much. So it's, it's kite surfing season. <laughs> kite surfing yeah, season. Kite okay. Surfing. There's, a, there's a surfing option all along. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. All right. Well, we're going to be talking a lot about the UN Sustainable Development Goals just before we jumped on the call, you abbreviated that to the SDGs, and that's great. I'm going to continue to refer to them that way going forward. So I just want to kind of start with a primer on them. I think a lot of people who listen to this show may have heard of them, but I think plenty of people wouldn't or wouldn't understand where they came from, how they're intended, how they're being utilised, and then we can sort of go from there. Yeah, sure. Look, I can appreciate it. Sometimes the SDGs, people think you're saying something else, and what are you talking about? Fundamentally, there's 17 referred to as the global goals or, or quite recently there's some great campaigns getting around from the UN, the world's to-do list, if you like. Ultimately, in a very broad sense, in 2015, the UN and global leaders got together and said, look, the world's in a tough place. There's some major challenges that we are seeing as a global community that we need to come together for and we actually need to collaborate on these solutions over the next 15 years. And basically they came out of those meetings with the 17 sustainable development goals and what's known as the 2030 agenda. So the deadline is 2030. And underneath those 17 goals are 169 targets. So the goals broken down into more kind of bite-sized or, or targeted chunks, if you like. And ultimately the SDGs cover a range of topics from say, protecting planet, people, and society for the future, right? SDG 1 being no poverty through to SDG 4 quality education around the world. There's a couple that are built around reducing the inequalities in the world, right through to things like protecting life under the water, SDG 14, or life on land, SDG 15. So there's a range of different topics that they cover. And ultimately, it's about 
how do we work together as a global community to maybe put some of our differences aside and look at the future of planet, society, people in general, and start combating some of these massive challenges, both at a community level and, and at a national level and at a global global level. So, uh, and the SDGs are now being onboarded from a business community sense for the new, I guess, they're underpinning a lot of CSR or, or you know, ESG is the new terminology from small businesses right up into corporate world. We're going to have a lot of acronym today, and I want to get to some of how that plays into the corporate world. Yeah, sure. But I want to come back to something you just touched on, which was there's these 17 goals and then these 169 targets. Give me some example of this. The targets are, are challenging because where do you even set the goals? And give me an example, maybe one or two targets so I can help understand that. Yeah, yeah, sure. So to give you that, if you think about, uh, so SCG 3 is, is good health and well-being, right? And this is one that I claim personally because sitting inside SCG 3 is mental health and I personally work in the mental health space as well in some of the other stuff that I do. And when you look at good health and well-being across the board, how do you actually break that down? And what does good health and well-being mean if, you, if you're looking at a global picture of that, that situation? The way that the targets break those down is generally underneath HSCG is anywhere from nine to 12 targets for each one. And if you're looking at as I said with SCD3, a good mental health comes in as one of those targets. So rather than looking at the broader aspect of our holistic good health and well-being, you're able to actually look at, okay, out of that massive challenge or massive opportunity, I think is maybe a better way of looking at it, which part of particular SCD can we actually hone in on and make a, an, an actual impact with? Now, depending on the size and scale of your operation, maybe a few or that may just be one in particular. Again, if you look at Things like SCG one no poverty, and the, the idea of that that global goal is to eliminate poverty around the world by 2030. Now that is an extremely complex task. It's also very intimidating when you look at it as that large goal. So the targets are to break that down and look. Well, what does that actually mean? And parts of those targets allude to things like what percentage of the world's population are earning enough income to bring them above poverty line and living standards around the world. So really it's about, if you'd look at just basic goal setting 101, right? Build a goal and then you break it down into small chunks that you can actually create some impact. And again, the beauty of the way that the SCGs have been framed is that no matter what size, whether your organization or even just your sphere of points, if you like, either personally or professionally, you're able to look at these 17 goals Find one that really resonates with you and your value or purpose in the world. And then based on the targets to sit underneath that goal, you can start to find tangible, measurable outcomes that you can actually contribute to, whether it be on a community level or a, a national, or you can go global, depending on, of course, your resources and the style of it that you want to create. One of the reasons that I've personally become such a huge fan of the SDGs is that they are scalable up and down depending on who you are, what measure of resources or the size of impact that you want to create. And every little bit counts, right? It is that true 1% kind of movement. Whereas if we all do our little piece, mm -hmm. the end result can be absolutely groundbreaking. And in a lot of ways, it needs to. Yeah. And look, I mean, it's interesting you touch on that because I think something that I grappled with early on starting this show was trying to find people who were swing for the fence as innovation and knocking it out and had to have global appeal and just had to be absolute transformational. And we still find that 
they're amazing and the people and founders are amazing. Yep. But what I had done early on was to overlook that someone who, there was a lady, we haven't interviewed her yet, plan this too. She running a, a tea business in British Columbia in Canada. Yep. And she has a very specific focus around the livelihood of the people who grow that tea from, I think it's from Sri Lanka and maybe southern parts of India. Yeah. And she's very clearly set up her entire business to enable those people to live a better life yep. and for the people who consume the product in her part of the world, predominantly in Canada, to be able to have better and be more mindful as a result of that. And it really, I have really changed my view of why would you not want to encourage more people to be able to act where they act. And so these SDGs then really function as a framework and a, and a mechanism for allowing people to self-select into the area where they either feel most passionate about or think they can have the most impact or probably the intersection of those two things. And when you talked about measurable goals, so you gave an example there of under poverty, one of the measures is how many people live above the poverty line at the moment. It's, it's 80% or 90% of people when we're trying to get that to 100% people above the poverty line. And so the UN essentially or the, the forums that have done this have come up with these measures and then they're globally applicable and can convert them into your own local domain and then apply them that way. Is that how that works? Yeah, absolutely. The data's there, right? So whether you're looking at local council data or global trends, there's data around each of these goals, depending again, which sandbox you want to play. And and that's the beauty of creating impact in this world is you do what's within you. One of our speakers from a few years ago just summed it up so well, and it was Creating purpose or, or an impact isn't a competition. <laughs> it's not about how much you bleed. Right. It's about finding what's within your resources or your scope and something that you can actually align to on a personal level because we all know that when you're personally aligned to things, it becomes a lot easier for you to trudge through the mud when it gets a little tricky, that you can go out and create that impact. Now, if you want to work on poverty, whilst we're on that one. So poverty is a word. It does seem a bit far off, particularly for us in Australia. If you think about the the giving campaigns in the 80s and 90s, we'd see it on TV, you're guilt factored into the starving child in Africa, right? But the reality is that there's, there's right. poverty across the board here in Australia as well. And, and it is a local challenge. So you think about homelessness, right? That sits within the, the poverty realm. What are we doing locally for our community all over Australia? where we can combat some of these challenges. So you're thinking about right now, there's obviously a cost of living crisis going on and how does that impact the living standards of, of Australians and what can we do as a collective community, both of business leaders and just citizens of this country to actually come together and try and make some of these things change. It doesn't have to be about how do we combat these things overseas and what does SDG number two zero hunger. So how do we eliminate hunger in the world? And I can tell you now, there's some hungry people in Australia. It doesn't have to be about moving it around. Now, the reality is if every country in the world looks after their own in that way and looks locally as well as globally, the work that you're doing in your backyard is contributing to the global effort at the same time. And absolutely, that's what these global goals are all about. Yeah. And so it's a couple of things in this that, that I want to go into. The, f- the first one which you touched on right up front, is like my view of these has, and we spoke about this before the show, as a lens of the way to understand where global development needs to happen to be able to resolve and improve livelihoods and outcomes for the planet more broadly. And traditionally, or, or typically would have been picked up by an NGO as a way of focusing them or at least articulating a way, here's the things that we're working on in kind of a globally accessible 
format, if you like, or language or framework. But the thing that, that you're doing over at 17X, from what I can understand, is is not necessarily about how NGOs take these and utilize these, but how businesses take this and use this to think about where they're playing for an impact perspective. I want to, I hate the word unpack, but I need to unpack that because I want to understand how that's come about and where, how you're thinking about that. And then we'll get into what you're seeing as a result of that. Yeah. So look, 17X has a clear purpose. We exist to engage the business community to take meaningful impact with the global goals. And we do that through engaging, right. educating and enabling action. And the whole piece around that and why we believe that's important. And I personally have a bit of a, a BHAG agenda, if you like, to redefine the definition of business in this world today. And I think it's outdated the way that we define the word business now. If you go and look it up, it's around someone's occupation or how they make money. And really, if you, I actually like the word unpack. I think if you unpack the reality of what a business is here to do, and you look at some of these global challenges, it's far out. How are we actually going, how are we going to achieve some of this stuff? Businesses are our best solution. They are our best resource for us to solve problems at scale, at speed, and both locally and globally. They're our best resource for innovation, for agility, distribution, for scale, for bringing people together, and for collaboration. The business community, I think, is where our best opportunities lie. And the other part of it is that, look, it's 2023, man. It's If you're running a business, it's the, the generations that are behind us the millennials, the, the Gen Xs. And I heard, I actually learned the next generation, apparently they're called Generation Alpha, if that's correct, is the younger ones that are finishing high school now. They're on board with this stuff. And there's consumers and employees and right. team members, man, they, they're looking for companies to engage with, to buy from and work for that are on board with protecting the planet, having social community connection and being aligned with things like the global goals or having really clear planet people policies. So yeah, it's, it's becoming a fundamental part of running a business. And I want to be really, yeah. if I can, sorry, but if I can be really clear on one thing, one thing that we, we hear a lot and well, I want to be really clear is that making a difference and aligning with things like the global goals, it's not about giving away money. So I, told, I have absolute empathy for small business world at the moment. It's a tough game to be in. I'm a small business operator myself. And yes, we still need to keep the doors open, pay the bills and sell our products. Absolutely. No, no doubt about it. So making a difference and aligning with these global goals and contributing to the quote unquote greater good, if you like, or having a business for good movement within what you're doing, it doesn't have to be about giving away money. And something that came out of our Brisbane event is it's not about how you give, it's how you live, right? And I think that needs to be the underpinning part of how we build strategies for our business and how we operate moving forward. Yeah, and I think your point about there's a generational kind of changing, you, you see this throughout, I've only been involved maybe three or four business cycles in my life, but you know, I remember when E-Trade came out uh, and it was clear that there was a generational shift on it was concept in Australia, but I had brought E-Trade out here and everyone moved from you know, voice brokers to having online broking, more people were able to use an online broker if they wanted to buy a small parcel of an entire generation just said that's just how the world needs to work now and that kind of moved us all and then the Robin Hoods and the stake of this world moved us forward again just taking a very narrow kind of view of a generational shift that happened I think there's there's absolutely a whole cohort of people and I don't think it's necessarily just limited to your alphas either I think there's clearly millennials and even gen x's and beyond who are like the whole world should work this way it's just a better way of working yep. 
What I'm curious to understand though is given, even though that trend is the case, how are you finding that business leaders are engaging with this idea and this message? Is it, hey, we know we need to do something, we don't know where to start, or we've started here, we're trying to work on how to grow. The people who you're seeing at 17X in your forums, your community events, or even just what you're seeing more broadly, where's the business community up to? Australia is a lens, it's fine, but... Yeah, sure. We certainly are seeing a lot of people that I commonly refer to are already drinking the Kool-Aid <laughs> in, our, in our network, if okay. you like. Are they unpacking the Kool-Aid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in a lot of ways, our, our mission is to bring some of that unconverted, non-converted into the room and help them understand some of this stuff. And it doesn't have to be so scary and intimidating. It is actually not as difficult as it sounds. The companies, and, and to be clear, we find speakers and partners in this space all over Australia as we run our touring event. From social enterprise startups, innovators, small business, from solopreneurs into the SME world, right up into corporate ESG land. It's chief sustainability officers at large corporates that are doing amazing work at this level, at their levels. We get a nice spectrum. We also work with universities. So we get a little bit of touch into the research space. We get to play and hear from students and what they're up to. So we get a nice kind of cross section of the community of who's doing what. And I can tell you now, the ones that are doing it really well, they, they have their purpose, their embedded purpose, if you like, whether it's the SDGs or they're running a, an ESG framework for the largest. So ESG being environmental social governance, which is the new CSR, if you like, or whether it's them embedding a couple of these global goals across what they want to do. It's embedded across and throughout the entire business. It's a part of their fundamental strategy. It's not an add-on. It's not a, a box ticking and it's not a, we do our business, then we give or then we, we do this as a byproduct. The businesses, large and small, who are well and truly successful at engaging their brand through this, it's embedded across the entire strategy. From the way they attract and re- retain great people, to their product development. You probably hear a lot about scope two and scope three emissions. So it's looking down your supply chain, products influence on the planet, right through to how they engage with their consumers and even their marketing messages. So embedding your purpose agenda throughout your business is a one. It has to start. It can be tricky. We get it. But it has to start from the start and it needs to be embedded throughout because the reality is if it's not, then a couple of things are happening. Number one is you're not actually doing what you say you're going to do which is a problem. Number two is that your team can smell it a mile away that the authenticity is not there and you struggle to keep great people that want to go on the bus shared value. And number three, of course, your consumers that can smell it a mile away as well. Embedding is number one. And then the second part is like you say, companies are trying to figure out, I want to do stuff, but where do I start? How do I start and what do I do with this? Now, this is where these global goals come into their I think they're real, a really great opportunity because there's 17 of them with 169 targets, right? Find right. one that works big for one. you. Yeah, yeah, just pick one. Now, they're sitting behind me. I don't, Throw a dart yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, you can't see them right now, but they're on the wall behind me. And they're, they're, even at a, as a visual kind of engagement level, they're nice, they're colorful, you relate to them and you go, okay. And, it, and I think yeah. even just at that level, it brings out your inner child, if you like, to be able to see and pick one and go, okay, it's what actually appeals to me. So an example to give you, and I don't think it, it's really important not to be harsh on yourself if you don't like one, but you like another one. As I said, I'm a surfer. I've grown up around the ocean. So I have a national... Yeah, 15. Yeah, yeah. I have a, this real natural affinity to want to look after the ocean, right? And I want my kids to be right. in the ocean. And whereas a farmer out west that's experiencing drought may be a little bit closer to 
something around climate because they needed to rain and they need some stable people that maybe a bit less worried about the ocean. So there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay to be different and it's there's nothing to take away from your business to be able to, if you like, pigeonhole yourself into one because it allows you to get the wheel turning and actually do it properly rather than just scaling across a couple of them. And that's where yeah. we see the real innovators, like you say, with your tea example is particularly in the SME world, the innovators that are building either technology or service-based solutions that are solving a problem, one single problem, but they're doing it yeah. at speed and at scale. That's where really powerful stuff is happening. Yeah, it's, it is a spectrum, but it's all about embedding purpose. Yeah. And just there's a few things in this that I want to go into. Kind of want to understand how it gets different from a leadership because you talked before about an employee and customer can just smell it a mile off. And I've had this debate. I've been part of venture funded startups for 20 years in them, advising them, investing in them. And some of them are innately purpose led. They, they see a problem in the world and they want to fix that problem. And they didn't necessarily look at the 17 on the wall and go, one of those is good. Let's build a business and solve that problem. But just so happened the thing that they wanted to solve and fix rolls up quite nicely yeah, sure. one of those. And so it's embedded by the nature of the problem they wanted to solve. But I've seen a lot of other businesses and especially in financial services where they're predominantly trying to improve the way financial services work, but they're not necessarily trying to unlock that from an ag culture perspective or from an access to mobility or financial mobility perspective. How do you think some of these leaders go about trying to extend something that, that they do as a business into something that has purpose? Is it coming from them personally or are they having to say, you know what, we need to, to transform the way that our business works and find something because we need to be more than just making an industry better and making money along the way? Well, I think there's probably examples for both. But I, but personally, I think the really clever leaders, they certainly have their own, hopefully, a bit of a little light bulb sitting behind them of an idea of change that they want to enact through yeah. through their position of, of being a leader. But the really clever ones ask their teams and they ask their customers and they ask people that they're influencing, mm. hey, where do we want to steer this ship and what is the difference we want to make in the world? Now, if you go at the global level, look at what Paul Powell did at Unilever, that was a little bit more top down to be fair from the start. He came in and shook right. the tree and said, we're changing some things. And to be fair, made some people pretty upset along the way. It took quite a long time for them to turn that ship around. But then there was a lot of bottom-up engagement. So from, I guess, from the from a leadership perspective, leadership in this angle, and I, I believe it's got to be a bit of twofold. So certainly the engagement piece needs to come from the top. And you hear it a lot, particularly with large businesses, that if the board or the CEO and the C-suite, they're not on on the same wavelength of the, the change makers trying to create some outcomes, then it's not going to work because they're always going to come back to the shareholder or the, the P&L and that's going to drive their decisions. Right. And that's the way it has been for the last 200 years. So you have to have engagement, but it's from the top. It has to be leadership from the top. But this is where we are headed and we want to enact some changes through our company. In terms of putting your finger on where do we put that change or where do we put our resources? What is the actual difference we want to make? Yeah, I believe the really clever ones actually go and ask their team and ask their customers and say, righto, we've got all this right. opportunity. Where do we want to put it? What can right. we do with our product? Where does our product naturally align? It starts asking those open kind of design thinking discovery questions. 
to figure that out. And we see that with some of the companies that come along and talk where we've had the, am I allowed to refer to brands on your show? Yeah, of course. Yep. So we, that's just, <laughs> just chatting. So we've already mentioned Unilever. So we're there. A, a great example is um, Fujitsu, right? So this is a, we had the, now Fujitsu, the tech company, not the aircon part of it. Fujitsu Australia, okay. we had the, the head of the office of purpose come and speak at our Brisbane event last year, Nikki Forrester. Now she's since left that role going into a global equivalent. What a legend. One of the things yep. that she came and shared with us was that her role was introduced. Uh, by the CEO, and it sits alongside the rest of the C-suite. And, that, and what it meant is that, again, when I go back to that embedded purpose, it, no matter which part of the C-suite were working on their strategy, the purpose agenda was, in, was involved in that. So whether it was the CFOs or the marketing messages or coming from open dialogue with all of them around what is our actual purpose agenda, what are the things that we're working on, and how do we make sure that it embeds across the entire business strategy? And then using a bottom-up team engagement approach to actually go and make it happen. And it's such a terrific example of how a big business in particular can create those changes. And that, you know, if you flip that around and look at the SME world and, and certainly smaller businesses and founders, and the same type of thing is that leadership and often when you've got a founder in, in play, they're emotionally connected to the business anyway. And there's usually some kind of personal vision around the purpose that they want to create in the world. But yeah, having that team engagement is where it happens and, and getting the people to to co-create. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to connect a, a related point to that because I think, and frameworks are a wonderful way to help people move forward, right? If you hand someone a blank sheet of paper and say, give me your thoughts, it's hard. You, you, you put your thoughts on paper and say, tell me what you think of my thought. Suddenly they've got a lot to say. So the ideas are in there somewhere, but providing 17 goals, 169 points, it gives people a frame of reference to work out where to be playing, what to be solving, how to measure it. From there, obviously, there's some kind of mechanics to be able to embed it into the organisation as you said, through leadership and through the bottom-down approach and maybe a top-down approach as well and probably a design-led thoughtfulness approach to it rather than, hey, here's what we're going to do. It's like, should we do? And let's refine and iterate. The thing I'm curious about, Taking it, and you said this is one of the three things that, that 17X look to achieve is to take people to action. There's a whole bunch of actions that you might be able to take as an organization to then push the dial on whatever metric that you're trying to push under what goal that you're aligned to. And some of the ones I've thought about before coming on the show are anything from your own operational efficiency to education, engagement, or relationships, or alternative business models, or product development, like where do you see the, the organizations that are really successful at this actually shifting the dial on the thing that they're trying to do? What do they tend to be doing? Are they changing their entire business? Are they just engaging their community differently? Or are they, well, like, what are they doing? Um, yeah, I'd say certainly the engagement piece is, is a little bit easier to start with than shifting your entire business model. <laughs> Some of the, I guess, learning fruit, if you like, on, on how to get started or where some companies are yeah, moving the needle. We're certainly looking at things like their carbon footprint, right? The whole idea of being net zero, it's commonly used now and looking at where's the energy source, what are they putting out in the world in terms of their carbon footprint. I mean, the offset thing's a bit of a mess, but finding the right offset mechanism, yeah. but really looking at what is their green footprint on the ground, right? And how do they green that up or their carbon footprint on the ground? And how do they make that green? Uh, that's, that's certainly something that a lot of companies are adopting. I wouldn't say it's overly complex for them to actually start making that happen. There's a lot of tech platforms out there now that helps with things like carbon accounting, 
and measuring very specifically one of our speakers in Perth from Climate Clever very recently, fantastic tech company that helps businesses large and small measure to the kilowatt their carbon footprint. So these kind of resources are there. Um, you're also looking at you know the community engagement and and certainly health and wellness. I think in a post-COVID world, the mental health piece, quite rightly so, has become a bit more top of mind for for particularly businesses. So engaging wellness programs, mental health programs to come in and and keep people healthy and happy, and certainly giving them resources to access when they need it. And then the other one that we're seeing a lot of that again isn't a fundamental shift, but it certainly needs to happen across the board is the equality piece, right? So making sure we've got no glass ceiling for women, more female leaders on board positions, and looking at the employment piece around equality and making sure that it's kind of an open door policy, if you like, and attracting and retaining great people based off their abilities and their talent rather than their gender or their background or whatever. So seeing those ones is a lot of companies are getting on board, which greatly, you know, the climate piece is one that needs attention fast. We're all aware of that. We're going from global warming to global boiling recently. You know, there's a lot of headlines getting around. We're about to hit, I think, a pretty serious wake up call this summer here in Australia. We're already seeing record temperatures. So you're seeing businesses are being pressured from not just the consumers, but even media and just the global or the national conversation about they need to get on board with their energy. I'd say across the board and the more kind of niche things like, like I say about what are some community efforts around protecting the ocean. Yeah. I think a bit more personally, personal agendas are coming out through businesses. Yeah. So it's less about reframing your entire operation. It's more about what are we currently doing right now that we can switch up because the tech's there and the resources are there for us to do this stuff. How do we engage yeah. in the right partnerships, SDG 17, to help us create some of these outcomes? Yeah. And something I was curious about what you said, because I, I'd always imagined that you would find this singular purpose when, especially when founders, and I, I've experienced this personally, but also seen it. And there's a lot of kind of literature around this for people who are running, and I'm going to make air quotes, any form of a startup, right? Whenever they can, it's a small business and maybe it's a startup in the true sense of the word. I'm going to go and raise venture capital and do that thing. But it may just be a small business. And a lot of the kind of literature and generally says, oh, you've got to find this overarching purpose and they really need to ladder up to that purpose and you need to be singular and focused on that purpose. But in the way that you just described it, and I think equally applicable to a five-person organization, 5,000-person organization, was there's a bunch of things that you should do well inside your organization relating to equality and how much your energy footprint is as an organization and maybe just your employees and or the impact that you have in your local community and environment and the partnerships that you have. Inevitably, as a business, it's actually not necessarily about trying to find the one that you like and the two or three measures, actually saying where can we improve in a range of these things that we're interacting with because of where we're at as an organization and what we're doing. It's a bit broader than just the one. Yeah, so I think, I think you, you can kind of look at it as a, a two-edged coin, I think. In a lot of ways, and I might go against some of the literature that's out there. I'm not a fan of labels. You have things like social enterprise, purpose-driven. I think it's just business. Let's just get better at business. And there are a bunch of different ways to do these things. But I think you've certainly got on one side of the coin, you look at business as usual, right? And there's now some expectations, like we say, from consumer, from from, uh, our team, certainly investors are now asking questions. Are we doing, let's call it the basics. Are we doing the basics? Are we measuring right. our carbon footprint? Right. Have we got a modern yeah. slavery statement? Are we, are we on board with uh, the health and well-being of our teams? 
and the community impacts? Are we measuring step two and three? And are we looking at our responsibility to be an equally an equal opportunity employment space? If you just look at some of the basics and the fundamentals of what a business kind of needs to be doing these days, it's not that complicated to list them out and go, okay, well, let's have a plan of attack between now and the next four months. We can shift some of these things and get on board. And the beauty of it is, and I think this is where maybe I, I'll ruffle a few feathers here, is you hear a lot of people talking about greenwashing and, and impact washing and blah, blah, blah. I take it get it. And we need to make sure that there's authenticity through here. But in the same token, some of these things can be a bit, it can take a bit of time to get through there. So if someone's 1% better today than they were yesterday, but they're not all the way there, let's celebrate those wins along the way and help these companies get there rather than bashing them down saying you're not doing enough. We hear, we've heard some speakers say some great things around what are the unintended consequences of trying to run a business for good? You do something good over here and it affects negatively over here. And that's a complex problem <laughs> and that happens. We get it. And I don't think those companies should bash for that. It's okay, challenge, accept it, fix it. It's the reality of it. So that move forward yeah, is what progress looks that's like. That's right. Send a few trees. Don't let great get in the way of good. That's a beautiful quote that came out of one of our events last year. One of our speakers yeah. actually stood on stage and acknowledged where they're getting things wrong. Quite powerful. So you've got that business as usual stuff, but then I think when you look at what is that overarching purpose that we, why does our company exist that whole time and sit and find your wife, I think. I think yeah. that's still extremely important and there's a massive part for that for the long-term strategy. Where, what are we here to do and what is the change that we're trying to enact? And that was maybe beyond some of that business as usual tactical stuff. Pretty much every business needs to be doing. And that may be, yeah, we want to shift. We want to shift the, uh, and make a, a real yeah, dent. Electrify the world or whatever. Yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Uh, eliminate plastic. I want to shift a little, yeah, shift gear the, cool. a little bit because we've mentioned it a couple of times. Right up front, we said a lot of the people who we see have already drunk the Kool-Aid or yeah. unpacked the Kool-Aid. We've got a whole bunch of mixed metaphors going on this show, which I love. So keep going with that. I want to understand 17X and where you guys actually sit and play and exactly how this is playing out at the moment, yeah. the event, the community, and kind of where you guys are heading with this as well. Yeah, sure. We absolutely play at SCD 17. SCD 17 is part six for the goals. And where the lessons that I've learned through running 17X since 2019 has been that I've been asking that question. I'm like, well, what, what are we fundamentally trying to do here? What is the impact that we can create as ecosystem of values aligned businesses around the world, right? I'm not out there creating tech. I'm not innovating solutions. So what is, where do we play? And, and when I come right back to it, it's 17X is a real powerful connector of values aligned people, right? So that's what we exist to do. We use our events, our programs, our community network, our partnerships to embed those connections across the country with perhaps companies wouldn't have connected in the past. And ideally, when our audiences come together and connect with our speakers, they are A, learning at the same time and B, getting access to connect with those speakers after the fact, to look at ways to partner and collaborate on things that they share a lot. And then, of course, there's the, I hate the word networking, but maybe the connecting that comes from people being in our audiences and a part of our, our community, that they meet other business operators that share the same value. Now, one of the most powerful things that you will find, whether it's in a 17X event or a different event that's around a shared purpose, is that there's no ego in the room. There is absolutely, the I becomes a we really fast and it becomes collaboration over competition every day of the week. And it's more about 
I'm connecting with people that believe what I believe and how do we work together and partner, which is also very good for our businesses, by the way, um, but how do we work together in our companies to solve some of these problems together or to bring more awareness to what we're doing? Our event system is built around that connection and then sitting behind our events, we are creating partnerships all over the country with large and small businesses to continue those connections. We are building a, a huge ecosystem of delivery partners to, to bring workshops, programs and education, how to turn that talk into action, which is really exciting. And then there's, of course, just our ecosystem of our, what we call our members for good, which is really giving our audiences from all over the place an opportunity to come together and actually connect with each other. Our Sydney community can talk to members from Perth and all that kind of stuff and bring everyone together in a digital space. So where we lie is just bringing this real connection piece for companies to actually find each other in this very busy world that we live in and start working together. The beauty of it is when they do all those kind of things and they do all these business as usual things, the research is there. The stats show it's proven that it's really good for business at the same time. So everybody wins. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a, a backward step, but I think a lot of people start with, a, I want to do something. I don't know where to start. Yeah. And obviously you can give them literature and give them the framework, but getting people in a room and being able to hear from other people who were where they were a year ago yeah. or two years ago. And here's what we did. Here's yeah. what works and here's what didn't work. Obviously not every lesson applicable, but even just the inspiration to give someone the courage to start the first they can do in their small bakery or their yeah. 5,000 person organization. Absolutely. It's about where to take the first step. Yeah, it's super exciting. I, I know I'm pushing on it a little bit, but I am curious. Like the, the seat that you've been, you said you've been running it since 2019. The world has been a very interesting place since then. A lot has happened. A lot has changed. We don't need to get into COVID specifically, but you are taking this series and looking to take it outside of Australia. Just tell me, touch Absolutely. on that. I've got one more. Yeah, yeah, 2019 we started and we've been growing here in Australia ever since. Yes, we had a little bit of a quiet time as a primarily an events ecosystem. We slowed down there for a little bit, but we just finished or just about to finish it with our last Adelaide event, October 26. I'm not sure when this is going out to finish off our 2023 tour here in Australia. And then next year, the plan is absolutely, we're, we're looking to engage partners in Europe. We're already having conversations in London, in Berlin and in Dublin to bring this show over there and, and start connecting with a more global community and to learn from them, right? So there's, there's some European countries that are well further down the track that we are here in Australia. And I say that with respect for us here in Australia. We have an opportunity to get our latest SDG rankings was 40th. We went back from 36th in this year's report. Hey, we've got an opportunity. Let's get up into top 20. So I want to get over there and start learning from what's happening in Europe. So there's a lot of exciting places ahead. And as we take this Australian little business and make it global, there's lots of fun happening along the way. it just heaps more connection and learning. So it is super exciting. Yeah. Sounds like great fun. Probably a good balance from from getting out of the waves with your kids every so often. Oh, there's waves in there's waves in Europe. Don't worry about that. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. What's that massive one called up on the, the coast of Portugal again? Oh yeah, I won't be there. That's uh, Nazareth. No, that's a little bit too you won't that's be there? a little bit too big for me, my friend. I'll I'll be down the road. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the, the, the question I wanted to ask kind of hinted at it right up front and I kind of wanted to come back to it, which was that you said you had a view on how businesses should operate generally and 
what you're doing here is directionally aligned to the, your beliefs around business generally in terms of how they should operate. And for another opportunity to use the word unpack, I do want you to unpack that a bit more if you're comfortable, because I'm curious about how you think about that. Yeah. So I think our definition and our understanding of business is completely outdated in 2023. And again, as I said, if you look up the definition and go Google it, it's all about occupation and income creation. If you go and look at what my kids are learning about what a business is at school, again, it's just, it's outdated. It's about returning shareholders money. And it's about how you sell a product and make a profit. As you buy for $1, you sell for $2. So like the fundamentals are just so outdated, I believe, and that the opportunity for us, again, to create businesses that solve problems is also very good for business. Now, businesses that solve problems outperform businesses that don't. There's, there's, the research is there that those with a very clear purpose agenda or a, or a sustainable product, if you like, that the consumer is very aware of and it's authentic, they outperform. They, they absolutely do. And you can go and research any number of them. So, I believe that we need to shake the entire system up of what we are being engineered and what our next generations are being engineered from an educational standpoint or just a general understanding of what a business actually is. And can we teach from the ground up from our students at schools to even the support the governments play with the vision of how do we enable businesses to collaborate and solve problems more efficiently? in a sustainable way that allows them to transact under that framework, then everybody's going to win. And ultimately, those businesses will perform fundamentally amazingly anyway. What we need to do is look at how are we actually forming our business strategy where it's around what is the difference or what is the impact that we're trying to create? Why do we exist? And our products or our services are just our mechanism to create that impact. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I just think that's the evolution of business now and and it needs to be the next hundred years. Yeah, what we're selling isn't why we exist. And no doubt about it, you're still going to be good at what you do. You've got to have a good product. You've got to be good at your service or whatever it is that you're doing. It still has to be great and it has to solve a consumer's problem, no doubt about it. But that's the mechanism to the bigger story of why your company exists. You tick all those boxes, man, and and we're flying. And I'm reminded of... uh, Someone I met in the Valley, actually, I was there for a few years and his fund was backing a whole bunch of crypto-related companies and people just trying to reimagine finance generally. Yeah. And obviously, they got a few things right, a few things wrong. Yeah. And we're in a pretty brave space. But his personal goal was ultimately to build, you know, an Iron Man suit. It's like, I ultimately want the technology to exist so that I can actually build that thing and have that thing. And that's ultimately, if I can do that in my life. And he, it sounds selfish, but what he was doing was, pointing to a world where the capabilities existed for all those technologies to actually be a reality and to be part of that future. And if I kind of had to reflect on our conversation today, 17X is very clearly trying to bring people together around the SDG to be able to build more relationships and partnerships so that more businesses operate that way. Mm. And it sounds to me like your personal goal is to redefine the way businesses work entirely and through a lens of actually having a meaningful impact rather than simply providing a product and service, as you said. Yeah, absolutely. Focus on the bigger piece and the, the bottom line will take care of itself. <laughs> wonderful, Mick. Well, we'll leave it there, mate. Really wonderful chatting to you. I'm excited for the series to see launch in Europe and obviously I'd love to be a part of it in some way or even just turn up for it in, when you hold it next in Australia. It sounds like a wonderful thing to be part of and something certainly aligned to it. Oh, Thanks for sharing all your time and, and insight today. Appreciate it, Vincent. We'll, we'll see you in the crowd, no doubt.
Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Shape the System. As usual, if you'd like to suggest a guest, someone that you know who's helped change a system for the better, please go to www.shapethesystem.org, click on the top right-hand corner, then click Suggest Guest. Make sure that you click Subscribe so that you get the new episode. Shape the System is an independent podcast with support from KPMG High Growth Ventures. Connects founders to the services they need along their journey. Whether you are looking to refine your strategy, mature your finance function, prepare for a capital raise, expand abroad, or simply comply with regulatory requirements, they provide you with the support you need to drive your business forward.